I am here with uh, Brianna Austin Gay, <laughs> sophomore international theater productions major and founder of Audacia Theater Productions. She started the first student-run production group here at ONU, and we will be working on our first production, which is Jesus Christ Superstar, and rehearsals start in less than a week less now. Than a less week? than a yeah. week? Yeah. On Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Woo. Woo! Really coming up soon. First question for you is, why did you start a student-run production company at ONU? You saw a need, obviously, but um, what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. I'm now an international theater production major, but I started here as a musical theater major. And pretty much the biggest thing that I heard is that everyone was talking about how they wished there was more opportunity to perform. Our department shows we really only do two published works a semester, which really isn't a lot, especially if you consider our department's probably about 60 people, and the biggest we probably do a show is like 25. More normally, they're in the 10 to 15 range. So really, even if no one is getting cast multiple times in a year, that's still not giving every single person an opportunity. And so I just decided that maybe if there was a student-produced show, student-produced group that would be doing published works for students to be able to perform in, that would give people another opportunity. And just due to the nature of our schedule and how things are set up, it was naturally going to conflict with at least one of the main stage productions, which meant that the people who were in it were going to be the people who weren't getting opportunities through the department. And I thought that was really important to kind of give this platform for the underdogs, especially because like the faculty will be there to see productions and get to see these people perform. And these are really like truly fully produced productions that they can put on their resume and have that experience of learning the role. So I just thought it was important to be able to give that opportunity to more people. Yeah, and this is also an amazing opportunity for you to get to direct. Me, I get to music direct this this beast of a show, and then we have uh, stage managers, lighting designers, all that stuff, and some people are getting credits for this. Yeah, absolutely. I think the um, creative side of the show is even more important. I kind of, when I pitched this production to the faculty, I actually really pitched it from the creative aspect, um, and from this idea that... Um, Creating your own work is really, really important in the theater industry. Uh, you're not going to be given work all the time, even as an amazingly talented professional. And so when you're not being given work by reputable companies, you kind of have two options. You can either sulk and go work a day job and serve people coffee at Starbucks, or you can decide that you're going to just create your own work. There's no rules against that. There's no rules against, although I'm not doing this, producing, directing, and starring in your own show yeah. at Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I'll write your own show, you know? Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not something we learn here. Even if you're working in a creative side as a student in a main stage production, either directing or assistant directing or choreographing, you're still brought into the process very late. The show's been chosen, there is a venue, rights have been paid for. You have a mentor too. I feel exactly. like that too. There's someone always watching you. This, I feel like there's a lot of freedom in this project. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, and I definitely have some faculty members that I kind of confide in. But it is my project. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that ability for us as students to learn how to apply for rights, start a show, um, what you need, like the bare minimum things, that was some, a really big thing I had what to look at. What did you need for um, the show? What did you have to do? Well, the show traditionally is a very large cast show. And I knew that we were not going to get 
that large of a cast. So going in and seeing what roles can be double cast and what were the minimum requirements for a space that we needed, the minimum requirements for props and costumes, and a lot of that can come through concept and you can conceptualize a show to make it not as demanding on any of those different aspects, but no matter what, unless you're going to do a concert version, you do need at least the bare minimum of a lot of those things, and so sitting down and realizing how much that bare minimum is going to be and what your budget's going to be for that was a big thing to learn for me from the production aspect of producing a show and how am I going to get a space and how am I going to get all these things. That was definitely like a big obstacle that I had to weigh before I could go ahead and have auditions and pay for rights. I mean, that's a big undertaking, but that's something that you're going to have to do in the real world. Exactly. You're going to have to figure that stuff out eventually, so it's cool that you're starting to do that now in college. And I think that it's really beneficial. I mean, uh, so I'm directing the production, and we have another student, Mikey, who's my co-founder of Audacity Theatre Project and the co-director of this show. Um, we have a student stage manager, a student lighting designer, a student music director, and that's all, it's really great to be doing it in this kind of controlled environment where, so what if we fail? So what other kind of hurdles did you have to jump over to get an organization like this started? Surprisingly, it was actually really easy, which I say that and I probably shouldn't, I'm not really giving myself as much credit as <laughs> for the work that I've done there. but. It definitely took a bit of front-loading the effort on my side to apply for the rights and do all of those things, pay the security deposit so that I could kind of go in looking like I knew what I was talking about, which I totally didn't. <laughs> and that was that was a big thing, which is acting like I knew acting what I was doing. Yeah. Fake it till I make it all the way through. Um, I think that uh, Kirsten, Kirsten stood up for me a lot, Kirsten Osmond Manley, the head of the musical theater department, um, I think she thought I'd done this before with how much she stood up for me on this. <laughs> Maybe she was faking it too. Right? Um, yeah. But she was definitely a big help with um, not letting the faculty shut me down. She was kind of a big uh, voice on saying, no, you know, if she's gotten this far, I don't think she's going to let a master class <laughs> stop her. Yeah. Um, if she's gotten this far, I think she'll find a space even if we don't give her one. Mm -hmm. If she's gotten this far, I think... And that was kind of her motto the whole time. But the biggest hurdle was just getting the courage to get up and ask. Yeah. To yeah. just walk in, march into the chapel, and go, can I use your space? <laughs> and they're like, ah, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> and then they were just like, I mean, I don't see why not. There were, like, certain stipulations you had to follow, though. Like, not posting the cast list until yeah, after I one did, acts came up. Um, like, there were certain little things like that, though, right? Um, I did have to work a lot with the faculty. And that was really a lot of mutual respect and mutual mm -hmm. understanding with a lot of things like that. And, I mean, there are certain things that you should just do in general. Like, I didn't announce any sort of auditions or casting and things until after the cast list went up for this semester's shows. And things like that were just like a general understanding and respect of the faculty and department shows. Those do come first as those are, for the musical theater majors, that's a part of their degree program. And so, and that was kind of a struggle because, I mean, department show cast lists don't come up until about halfway through finals week. <laughs> and then auditions for our show were the week after we started the next semester. So kind of getting everybody um, jazzed and ready to come out to auditions did uh, present a bit of an issue. And working with Brian, 
with the student directed one acts um, and kind of trying to balance that the only time we had for auditions was before the one act auditions and so we worked out together that I could do my auditions before one acts if I didn't for, um, post my cast list until after that was kind of the uh, compromise that we came up with yeah, so we just had to sit on that castless egg for a for a little bit, waiting for it to hatch. Oh yes, yes, and fun. getting getting attacked. I, I getting joked attacked. That, <laughs> that whole week. I joked that I had no friends because all of my friends who came to audition wouldn't even look me in the eye. Yeah. They knew that it would be unprofessional to ask, yeah, but yeah. they uh, really wanted to know. Yeah. So, but why Jesus Christ Superstar? Um, well, for me, it's a show that has a lot of a deep personal connection with me and my mom. Um, it's the first show that I ever got to like see her perform in, um, and she has been really the reason why I started performing and the reason why I got into theater, so being able to watch her perform in a show that means so much to her. But I also think that it's a timeless show, just completely timeless piece. I mean, it's a story that everybody knows. Yeah. Even if you're not Christian, you know the story of the Passion, you know mm -hmm. the story of the Crucifixion. And it's happening at a perfect time. We're producing it the week after Easter, uh, yes. um, April 7th and 8th. So it's really a great time to tell it. But I think that this is a story that everyone knows as a story. Mm -hmm. um, even people who are Christian who believe it still know it kind of in a in a sort of mythical sense. Yeah. Um, and this... It's this huge grand story. Exactly. And this show really strips that away. It pulls the myth out of it and shows you the real people it shows you jesus as a man as a whether person. or not you choose to believe that this show is just like this is objective these are people they went through things and i think that's yeah that's exactly really and it's really beautiful i mean there is factual evidence to the fact that there was a man named jesus christ yeah and so to look at that but even through a biblical sense like it's definitely religious in its nature mm -hmm. um, but to look at that through a human and think of like this human and what they were put through and all the people around them who may have had the best possible intentions and just have been misguided mm -hmm. and like getting to kind of see that from a different perspective I think it presents a lot of different perspectives that even people who know the story inside and out haven't explored before mm -hmm. and people who may not know the story as well it offers them a perspective that they may have not seen before and so I think that across kind of all religions and all scopes of life, people can look at it and take something away from it that they may not have thought about before in this story that everybody knows. Going off of that, I would, could you explain your vision and concept for the show? Especially in regards to all the, uh, the gender-bent casting, the, uh, even the vocal parts. It's like yeah. We just kind of threw those to the wind <laughs> and said, kind of have fun. Yeah, know? I thought it was actually really funny. I was looking back um, at my audition posting after before cast list, the cast list had gone up, but after casting, and I saw that I had put all the vocal parts for all the characters. And you're like, we didn't even follow this like, at all. <laughs> and I laughed. I was like, wow, we really... I was looking at them, and I was like, out of all of them, only one, one person is actually the vocal type that is traditionally listed. Um, <laughs> but I knew that from the beginning. Uh, from, in a traditional sense, if you were to cast the show traditionally, there's one female. That was not going to happen. Uh, there's absolutely no way that I was only going to do the show with one female and be able to fill men into all the other roles. Yeah. And I didn't really want to. Yeah. In a sense, it's a super challenging show vocally. A show that is really, especially the two lead roles, probably too challenging for a tenor at a college age. Mm -hmm. 
a college-age tenor really probably isn't ready to take on some of this crazy vocal aerobics and do it safely. And women are just more blessed in the fact of that where their ranges sit, it's easier for them. Mm -hmm. It's not that the women that we have are more talented than the men in any regard. It's simply that the show is more suited to take up the low notes to fit a women's range than, than to drop notes. the high yeah. notes to suit a men a man's range. And so I, re I really did know that there were going to be a lot of women in leading roles, and I had to decide how I wanted to take that with my concept. And there was a totally valid route to go where you could make that a point, and you could modernize the show and make it important that the lead roles are played by women and that and make them feminine and make their femininity important part to their characters and explore that and that's a totally valid option and would be a more feminist manifesto production <laughs> of the yeah. show um, but that's not really the route I wanted to take and I think that audience is another important concept that you have to think about who your audience is when you're coming up with concepts for the show and I do know that we are in Ada, Ohio, um, in a <laughs> conservative town, <laughs> and that's not, like, I, I want people to come see the show. We're going to try to advertise at churches in, the, in town and see if we can get some people's congregations to come. And so I had to think about that, too, and the conservative nature of the potential audience. And I decided that I would integrate a concept that I think should be more widespread throughout theater that the gender of the actor is not important to the gender of the character. I think that audiences are smart enough to suspend their disbelief and without changing any of the pronouns they can understand that this is a woman who is telling the story of a man. And I built my concept to emphasize that point. Um, so the show will start with this group of storytellers um, and the chapel will have this fun hippie commune vibe of everybody <laughs> singing songs and playing instruments and we really will be accepting the audience into our commune and into our group all excited about the story that we're going to tell tonight and as all of these actors who present as their own gender step into their roles that'll all happen on stage and they'll bring the audience with them into the story as they come into the characters the audience will become a part of the show and I think that that'll make for a really compelling production. Now is this something you want to do every year, every semester, producing um, these kind of shows or? Yeah, definitely actually. This this one project kind of started as an isolated event. Yeah. It was an experiment really to uh -huh. see what would happen um, but as it started going and the ball started rolling we realized that it was really working. Mikey, my with me, we actually founded Audacia. We, we started with this production and we realized this is something that there's a need for and this is something that we love doing and so we decided to found a, a theater project and it's a, important to both of us that it's a project not a company because mm -hmm. it's really about experimentation mm -hmm. with things like this but we we do want to keep doing productions while we are here and then hopefully take that up and out into the real world and make it a real running functioning theater project that will be kind of what our careers become and hopefully we can leave a lasting impact here on campus. I already hear people talking about shows that they want to do next year mm -hmm. and I'm going abroad next spring and people keep coming to me and going, oh, will you do this show next spring? And I'm like, no, I won't, but you can. But we're really hoping that uh, 
we can do a lot of things while we're here and give the underclassmen and the people who are who will still be here when we leave the the kind of confidence to keep doing it mm -hmm. um, until it just becomes normal. And for the people listening, how and when can they see these shows? So the performances are the week after Easter, April 7th and 8th, and there'll be a Saturday evening and a Sunday matinee. So the Saturday evening performance will be at 7.30, and the matinee possibly at 1.30 or 2. Uh, more on that will come out as we get a lot closer. We still have a bunch of time, but as we've said, the performances will be in the chapel, and it'll be a donation admission, so a recommended $5 donation, and there won't be any pre-sale tickets, so you'll have to get there first come, first serve, and be ready to come grab a seat. But I think we'll have plenty of space for anyone who wants to come out and see this show. It'll be a really great time. It'll be a lot of fun. So hopefully a lot of people will come out and see what we've got going on. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you.